Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Right, Danger Glenn Mack now. It is a snowy Saturday in the Delaware Valley. I think it's done. It's not. Uh, actually, it is snowing where I am. Never mind. Snowing in Havertown, Ray. Still snowing in Center City? It's snowing here at 30th Street. Okay, well. Uh, it's actually snowing pretty hard here. Okay, I know you're walking home afterwards, so I hope that all works out easily for you. Um, uh, this Week in Philadelphia Sports History is brought to you by Scheib Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Check out all their great stuff, including the Kelly Green Eagles gear at their Center City location or at ScheibSports.com. Speaking of Kelly Green, this is the anniversary, Ray. 36 years ago today. God, I'm sure you wrote this story. Oh, I did. The Eagles move on as Swamp Fox. He gets fired toward the end of the year in 85, and then Norman Brayman needs to hire a new coach, and the Bears are in the Super Bowl, and was it Brayman read a New York Times story? Is that what it was? Yeah, he read a, read a, a Dave Anderson column in the, ah, in the New York Times, Times about the uh, – because that, that was the year of the great Bears team. That was the yep. year of the Bears Super Bowl team, and you know that was a team that was really driven by its defense. And Dave Anderson, who knew – Buddy Ryan from Buddy Ryan's days when he was an assistant coach under Weeb Eubank with the Jets. Mm-hmm. You know, Dave and Buddy had some history. So Dave went and wrote this big glowing New York Times piece about Buddy Ryan, the, the master, the wizard of the 46 defense. And of course, Norman Brayman, Norman, Norman Brayman never read the Philly papers, but he always read the New York Times. Yeah, and he read that and said, that. oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'll Buddy get along Ryan. with this guy. Yeah. So he ripped that out, put it in his back pocket and at the end of the year, when he pulled the plug on the Swamp Fox, he went looking for Buddy Ryan. Now, I came the same year as Buddy Ryan, and I have to tell you, I really enjoyed him um, just because I think he, he really made the Eagles a lot of fun. I did not cover the team on a regular basis. I did a couple. Actually, you know, the first story I ever did for the Philadelphia Inquirer, not the first, but just among the first, was I went out to uh, a Ribbit restaurant downtown. Remember the Ribbit place? Sure. Right? And Buddy Ryan did the Buddy Ryan show with Steve Fredericks. And they said, you know, kind of just do a, like, you know, live on the scene kind of thing. And I just remember, and I, I think I might have led with this. There was a woman there, but he had just started, right? He, like, he was brand new. Uh, this was in the fall, not the spring. But it's just when he was, start, you know, when about, the season was about to start. I think it was preseason. And he's doing the show. And a woman was in the crowd, and she had a T-shirt that said, my two favorite teams are the Eagles and whoever's playing the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And Buddy... He said, like, yeah, that's right. That's right. And, like, he got it. And you know how much he, he played the cowboy thing. Oh, sure. And so I'm going to play two cuts, and then I want to talk about Buddy with you. And these are one of the things that some people loved Buddy for and some people really despised Buddy for. Um, 1987 season, the uh, NFL had, a, had a, basically a, a strike, and the, um, some players crossed the line. And the, the league kept going with scab players. And Dallas Cowboys had a lot of guys cross the lines, a lot of their first teamers, right? Mm-hmm. And they rubbed Hall the Eagles. Hall of Famers, in, for God's oh, sakes. Yeah, Tony Dorsett. Tony Dorsett, right? Randy White. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, they, they had a bunch of guys in, including some guys that are in Canton right now. 
Yeah, and they and the Eagles had like a bunch of guys who worked at a truck stop or you know loaded produce, and all of a sudden they're playing in the NFL, and it was ridiculous. And the Cowboys crushed them. And so when they when they came back, the Eagles beat them at the vet, but beating the Cowboys wasn't enough. So right toward the end of the game, the Eagles have the ball. They're going into victory formation. Seconds remaining on the clock. Eagles have won it, but Buddy decides that's not enough. So let's go right to it. The few teams that had nobody cross the picket line. They built confidence and closeness during that period, and a victory here today over Dallas certainly will only improve that. Now Cunningham's going to throw it to Cook, and it is a flag down on the incompletion in the end zone. Two seconds remain on the clock. Francis had the coverage for the Cowboys, and the Eagles will have the ball at the one. And the Eagles are, if, if you ask Buddy Ryan, did you try and rub it in? I don't think there'd be any question. Absolutely. He did not He did not forget what happened two weeks ago when Tom Landry put Tony Dorsett and Danny White in the football game. All right. By the way, you know what I noticed in that? Those stupid horns. Yes. Remember, you used to hear those things all the time before they banned Vilius, I forget what they were, Vilius Cilias or something like that. Yeah. Say it again. Say it on the air, Dan. Vuvuzelas, they were in the big in the World Cup. I'm very impressed that you know that, but there you go. Um, okay, so that leads to. By the way, that is uh, Tim Ryan and Joe Theismann on the call. Okay, uh, and so that leads to the very next play, and here you go. Salt in the wound, job. What really irked you, Ryan, that day was the first team defense of those veterans, Randy White and Jones and Smirik, coming in with the Cowboys holding a commanding lead in time. If there, if there wasn't bad blood before, there's going to be bad blood now. Byers. Keith Byers runs it in uh, to, as they said, rub salt in the wound. And, Ray, I have to tell you, I, I was new to town. I was just trying to figure out Eagles fans and this city and what it was about. And, I, and I, you know, I always hated the Cowboys. And I loved it. <laughs> and I know that you don't. No, no, I didn't. I but know. you, I mean, you weren't alone. You're a I lot mean, classier than I am. The fans, you know, the fans really got the fans loved it. You know, that was, uh, um, you know, for Buddy, and you're right, Buddy got it right away about uh, how the fans here felt about the Cowboys because he felt the same way about the Cowboys. He didn't like Landry either. He had his own history with Landry, and he didn't like Landry. Um, so he was perfectly happy to 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 jump right on board with uh, with how the fans felt about the Cowboys and. Um, yeah, I mean that was uh, that was just Buddy's mo. I mean he was uh, uh, he was a guy that would just uh, poke his, you know poke his finger in your eye whenever just just for laughs. And uh, in Philadelphia, the fans loved him for it. It really did. Yeah, um, I was not. I was less. I, I was less enamored with it. But uh, I, I fully. Know. I fully. I fully understood um, that he was very. He was very canny uh, in the fact that he knew exa- he he got he got a feel for Philadelphia right away. Uh, and uh, he understood what these fans wanted. And, listen, he brought a real, no question, he brought a real rough, tough, you know, nasty approach to football, which plays very well in this town. And and he was catching the Cowboys at a good time because the Cowboys were sort of on their way down. Yeah, Landry, Landry was, was kind of near the end. And so, yeah, it, it, the timing of it all worked out for Buddy. I mean, he was, he was, he was kind of the right coach at the right time. Yeah, and he, I mean, I forget what his career record was against the Cowboys. It was like, you know. 
ten and two or eight and two or something. It was he always beat the Cowboys, and it's one of the reasons that we loved him. And he was blustery and he was loud and he could be obnoxious, but his players certainly loved him. I mean, you know how Seth Joyner felt about him and Reggie and Clyde and that defense, and it was a defense that we loved. It wasn't it wasn't this soft let's bend but not break. Oh, we'll make him go down the field in fifteen plays. It wasn't that kind of defense. It was a defense like, okay, let's punch him in the mouth, and then when he gets up, let's punch him in the mouth again. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that thoroughly, Ray. Yeah, well, they were um, – I love that defense. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, – Buddy had a style, uh, and uh, he had a philosophy that uh, that he brought here. And it, and the other thing that Buddy had was he had, he had a real ability to uh, identify his kind of player. And um, when Buddy – you know, Buddy, listen, when Buddy drafted offensive players – he, he made some mistakes, <laughs> but when he drafted defensive players, he was generally spot on. I mean, he could watch a tape college player, and he could say, "That's my kind of player." Remember and, Golick telling us, and about he was that. almost, and he was almost never wrong with with right. the guys he drafted on defense, and including guys that he found deep in the draft, like Seth and like Clyde Simmons, and mm-hmm. you know people like that. And you know, I mean, he found he found Eric Allen in the second round when a lot of people didn't, people weren't thinking of him being that high a pick, but Buddy. Just loved him when he saw him on tape and brought him in here, and he was the perfect cornerback for that defense. So you know, Buddy knew defense, and he was he had an ability to identify his kind of players, and uh, he brought a lot of them to Philadelphia in those years. And defensively, they they were the best team in the league for a period of about three or four years, no question. So that is our Shibe Sports this week in Philadelphia sports history. And uh, by the way, now through the end of the show, best caller Ray, uh, Dan Wilson, you're going to be the judge today. Best caller gets a fifty dollar gift card card to Scheib Sports. Very good. Let's, let's go to Larry in Ridley Park. You're on with Ray and Glenn. Hey, Larry. Well, how you doing today? We're good. Hey, Ray, I'd like to pose a question to you. I guess you've seen a few of the draft boards that have come out already, especially Daniel, um, uh, Jeremiah. Uh-huh. Ray, if you were the GM and you had 15, 16, and 19, right now today, Ray, what would be your three picks? Well, I don't know. You know, it's it's tough, Larry, because I don't know who's on the board. I, you know, I, okay. I don't know. I don't. I don't know who's still available. But I'm. I can tell you the areas I'm looking. I would probably. You know, certainly one would be an edge rusher, one would be a linebacker, and one would be mm, probably a defensive back, probably a safety. Okay. Let me give you a few names. Do you think Jordan Davis will be there and Nakobe Dean? Uh, I've seen some. I've seen some uh, projections about Kobe Dean being a much later pick, like first round, but late in the first round, I find that hard to believe. I mean, to me, he's such a good player. I, I, I'd, I'd be shocked if he got out of the top 12, but I'd be delighted. I mean, if he was on the board and I'm picking for the Eagles, I, I absolutely would pick him. And Jordan Davis is, uh, you know, uh, he's, a, he's a big, wide-body player uh, and a really good run stuffer, and they could use another one of those guys well, on this defensive line. Well, I, saw, I right. saw him play a ton at Georgia. Yeah. Daniel Jeremiah had at fifteen. He had uh, was it a Carafastis, the TN from, yeah, from, from, uh, from Purdue, from Purdue. Yeah, and then he had the receiver from USC. Uh, oh, he had Drake London. Oh gosh, Drake if London. It, yeah, I, I would. And thanks, Larry. I there's a lot of positions the Eagles can draft. I hope to hell they don't draft another wide receiver in the first round, uh, with three picks or with whatever. I don't care if they have twenty one picks. I would love to see him sign a really good, proven veteran free agent wide receiver. Mm-hmm. There are some that look like they'll hit the market. I think that would be great. Um, I love the idea of if you have three picks, 
and they're all whatever there. Was it 16, 19, 20, whatever it is, something like that? It's 15, 16, 19. 15, 16, 19. And I love the idea. One for each level of the defense. Yeah, that's right? what, that's that's how I would approach it. I, I love that idea. I, I bet you it doesn't happen. I would be very surprised if they keep those three picks in those spots. Howie's going to make a trade. Howie's got cards. He's going to make a trade. Yeah, I mean that's his. I mean that's his mo. And um, you know he, he he's not a he, he's not a. I'm just going to sit here and and take my turn kind of guy. You know, he loves to trade. He loves to wheel and deal. Sometimes sometimes it turns out well, as in trading up to get Devontae Smith. Uh, and then other times trading back, not so good. Um, and that's how you wind up with uh, Marcus Smith. So, um, I, I, but I, I think that that's – if I were to guess right now, um, I definitely see them using those three picks. And I don't see them sitting there picking, picking all three at 15, 16, 19. I yeah. think he'll package a couple – He'll probably identify a player he really likes and package a couple of those picks to jump up to maybe somewhere in the top five, six to get the guy he really wants and then hang on to that pick at 19 and get the best player that's available on the board at that point. But the thing is, um, I'm not trading the picks. I'm hanging on to them, and I'm using them to rebuild my defense. I'm with you. Tim and Elverson joins us. Tim, you're on with Ryan Glenn. Yeah, Glenn, uh, I just wanted to say that – I th- I agree with Charles Barkley that that Joel Embiid is the most dominant player in the NBA today. Yeah. But but Will Chamberlain scoring 50 points a game without a three-point line, you know, he is the best of all time. I'm not arguing with you. Although yeah. as Ray said, it's tough to, it's it's like arguing, you know, who who's better, a player today or Babe Ruth, right? I mean, it's Right, right, right. These are really and, hard and, arguments to have. So if you just judge a guy by the dominance of his era, Right what was it, but I think, I think how it becomes a comparison now is what you are seeing in this stretch in this season is a wilt-like year. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Okay. And, and, and also, also, you and Ray are obviously the most knowledgeable and most human, human empathy. Uh, people on that station and, and you have a great show oh, that's very and nice i and i would like to apologize to glenn for gripping his hand several years ago and telling him that he sucked because he doesn't <laughs> suck he's the best <laughs> well thank you i don't i don't remember the episode but you would you would be neither the first or the last person who told me that but i i will i will take the compliment and appreciate that <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't, it's I mean, it's happened to me in my lifetime, you know, and, and listen, people are allowed to like you or not like you. Well, Although, I, you know what, though? I know I'll, give him, I'll give him credit. If he said it to me to my face, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, that's that, that that's perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah, if he's come around or I've grown on him or whatever. That's that's great. Too. If somebody has if somebody has an issue with me, they can always come up and tell me. And, yeah. and they do. And yeah. they do. But I, 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 I have to say that, you know, What's we, the you meanest and I, thing anybody's going to say about you, Ray. No, you know, you'd, Ray, you'd be surprised. You're too smart. You'd, you'd be you'd be surprised. But no one has ever called us up to to compliment us on our humanity and our empathy until we had Marv Macnow on. Oh, there's no. Question. I think I think I think I think <laughs> having your I think I think having your dad these last three weeks <laughs> oh, yeah. has changed has changed the whole has changed the whole nature of our show. Oh, no question about it. 
I have to think of excuses to keep having my dad on, but you know, <laughs> I, I don't think I can get him to break down a Super Bowl if the Bills aren't there. But uh, listen, I love my dad, and it's a privilege to to have him. And by the way, I don't know. Hopefully, you can't hear. This. I'm doing the show from home uh, today, which I appreciate the opportunity. I don't have to drive downtown. But I have uh, a couple of minutes ago, I had a, a crying 19 uh, month old wandering around. You didn't hear him on the air, did you? No, we didn't. Okay, good. That's good. I got it, Ray. I got him. Generation ahead, generations behind. They're all wandering around here, and and you know what? I love it. That's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Art in Art Carney is on. Oh, Art and Carney's point. Hey, Art. I'm sure you've heard that joke too many times. Countless <clears throat> times. Hey, look. Um, a couple things. One, you, you guys were talking about um, African-American coaches and who's been interviewed and who hasn't been, but you didn't mention Deuce Staley. Is he, is he off the campaign trail to be a head coach, or what's going on there? Uh, as far as I know, I have not seen his name in any of the interviews. Um, but, you know, I know that um, he, and, um, he and Dan Campbell really hit it off in Detroit this year. And I know it was a difficult season for the Lions, as Lions seasons tend to be. But one thing about that Lions team is they fought every week. I mean, they played right. They played hard right to the end. I mean, unlike the Giants, who just totally packed it in with three weeks to go. I mean, the Lions were still playing hard right to the very end. And it's a credit to the coaching staff. It's a credit to Dan Campbell because the players clearly like playing for him. And I guarantee you that Deuce Staley had something to do with that. Um, I, I have said before, and I still believe that Deuce – will be a head coach in the NFL at some point. I really think that uh, – I think, I think he'll be good at it. Uh, it's just a matter of him getting the opportunity, and I think he will get the opportunity. But I have not seen him – I have not seen him out on the trail doing interviews for this, for this particular round of job openings. Right. I, I haven't heard it either. I, I, so I guess he's just happy where he's at for the time being is, is, is what you get out of all that, right? Sort of seems that way. I mean, uh, I saw him interviewed a couple times this year. I haven't talked to him since – and, uh, since he went out there, since we had him for Tell Us Your Story before he we went out there and took the job. Uh, but uh, he, seemed to be, he seemed to be really enjoying Detroit, and he certainly seemed to be enjoying working with Dan Campbell. He is the assistant head coach out there, uh, and he was saying that they were giving him a lot more opportunities to be involved in personnel decisions and uh, exposing him to things within the organization beyond just coaching a position. So I think it's really good preparation for him. I know I know he'll get interviewed again, and I hope that the next time he gets interviewed that he gets the job because I really I want him to have that opportunity because I think he's going to be very successful. He's got a nice opportunity coming up, um, which is that he is going to be head coach next week of the uh, – what's the college uh, game going on? The college all-star game, the Senior Bowl. He's going to be coach uh, head coach of the Senior Bowl. Dan Campbell, I don't understand how this works. The Lions staff is coaching the uh, American squad, whatever that means, and the Jets staff is guiding the national squad. So you've got to be like a bad team to have your guys coach it. And Dan Campbell said, Deuce, you're going to be the guy to call the plays for our team. So that's a little nice showcase for him. It is. It is. And I think he'll be um, – having him coaching at the Senior Bowl is a really good thing because he'll, he'll do a really good job telling these guys, and when you go to the Senior Bowl, all the guys in the Senior Bowl, they're all headed for the NFL. I mean, there's, you know, you, if you've been invited to the Senior Bowl, you're going to be in an NFL camp. And so Deuce will do a really good job of coaching them into this game and coaching them through the weeks of practice, but also off the field just telling them what they need, how, how to prepare themselves for their first NFL training camp, you know, what to expect when you mm-hmm. move up to the next level. You know, Deuce, Deuce has lived that both as a player and a coach. 
and you know he'll be coaching them in all aspects of things and you know I know I know Deuce has the ability to command a room and I know that those uh, those senior bowl players will learn a lot just being around him for a couple of weeks yeah I think that's nice and we're we are all rooting for him uh speaking of tells your story and he was a great guest when we had him uh, coming up at noon, Earl the Pearl, Black Jesus, Earl Monroe from Bartram High School will be our guest on Tell Us Your Story. Coming up next, Ray, what we're watching. And I always love to give people shows that I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this week I watched a show that I didn't love so much. But, you know, it's what I'm watching. So maybe I'll warn people off it. Okay. 215-592-9494. He's Ray Dinger. I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. It's time to support your favorite MLB superstars and let your voice be heard with the 2024 MLB All-Star Ballot presented by BuildSubmarines.com. Oh, what a shot. That's right. You get to help choose the starting lineups for the Midsummer Classic and decide who represents your team at the MLB All-Star Game presented by MasterCard this summer in Arlington. He makes the play. So make your picks today at MLB.com slash vote. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.